Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, I want to encourage you to put one of our upcoming conferences on your calendar. August 11th and 12th, Bill Federer leads a lineup of speakers ready to bring clarity to the chaos in Colorado Springs. On Saturday, September 30th, we'll have a special one-day conference in Des Moines, Iowa, featuring Michael Hoggard, Greg Patton, Larry Stamm, and Micah Van Hus. And our largest conference of the year will be a massive three-day conference in Columbus, Ohio, October 26th through the 28th. Over a dozen speakers, including our special keynote speaker, Jonathan Kahn. Registration for these conferences is now open. Call 1-800-652-1144 and reserve your seat. Don't miss your opportunity to hear Jonathan Kahn live in person. Visit the events page of our website, swrc.com. We want to see you at these upcoming conferences, friends. Complete lineup of speakers, topics, and schedules are all found at swrc.com. Click on events or just give us a call 1-800-652-1144. Yesterday, we began looking at how we can help our children and grandchildren trust the Bible and science as they explore the stages of an unborn baby's development. We know as you explore life inside the mother's womb with your child, you'll be helping them to love God and love their neighbor. With more insight, here's our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino. We are living in an age of confusion. Even in the highest places of American government, our leaders have some ideas that are diametrically opposed to Scripture teaching especially about the home, marriage, and children. And so it is with great delight that I introduce our guest for this program. Her name is Stacy McKeever. She is with Answers in Genesis. And Stacy, along with Dr. Georgia Purdom, have authored a wonderful book, a much-needed book. It's titled, Crafted by God, From Fertilization to Birth. Thank you, Stacia, for being with us for the show. Thank you for having me, Pastor Larry. Well, Stacia, what do you hope to accomplish, and why did you and Dr. Purdom write this book, and what is the target audience? We work for Answers in Genesis. They are the ones that have put out the Creation Museum and also the Ark Encounter. And a couple years ago, in the Creation Museum, which is located in northern Kentucky, they developed a new exhibit called fearfully and wonderfully made, and so it showed the timeline of a baby's development in the mother's womb, and to go along with that, they wanted some resources that they could offer to people who have gone through the exhibit and kind of want to take it home with them and share it with their children, and so Dr. Purdom had asked me and asked some, some other people if we knew of any good resources for children mm. on that topic, and we kind of looked around, and I said, no, we don't, we don't really have anything. We don't you know, we haven't seen anything, maybe we should just write a book ourselves. And so mm. we got together and worked on the book because we wanted something that approached it from a biblical perspective that taught kids that they're fearfully and wonderfully made yes. in the image of God right from the moment of fertilization, that they've always been a, a human right from that very beginning moment. And something that kind of gives them a, a whole life view of the pro-life issues. So we put together this book, and target audience is upper elementary, so ages 7 
and up, but really, I mean, we've heard of five-year-olds that have looked through the book and, and picked right. up things from it. So it's really kind of a, a whole family book that people can use. Yeah, I must say it's very kid-friendly. You talk about some wonderfully deep and profound topics. For example, one of the things that I really enjoyed looking at page three, I believe, uh, where you're talking about the image of God, you say, we also share characteristics with God because he made us in his image. Maybe you like to paint or play music. You are reflecting God's creativity. Maybe you like to write or talk to others. You are reflecting God's ability to communicate. Maybe you like to help others. You are reflecting God's kindness. I think that's so profound, all true, very simply put. The book is full of wonderful statements like that. And like I say, it's kid-friendly, and it's for the whole family. Supposing a seven-year-old asks you, where did I come from? What would be your answer? It just depends on how detailed you want to get. So in the book, we talk about the mom and dad's DNA, create a new individual, and that God shapes and carefully forms that new individual in the mom's belly, in her womb, throughout the developmental process of nine or or ten months, Mm -hmm. or shorter, I guess, for some that come a little earlier. Giving them the idea that mom and dad have to come together, and then God develops this baby, knits together this baby. So when I talk to my kids, I tell them, you know, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. God knit you together. You're here for a purpose. You're made in his image. You're not an accident. He has the reason that he made you and, and put you here. Wow, that's so true and so so good. I think when kids find out that they have a purpose, that there is a loving Heavenly Father, that He has given us so many blessings and gifts, but that we have some responsibilities to Him as well, I think that's so important. I think millions of our children today in America don't hear things like that. So I'm 82, and our church, we have a lot of children. So here's a good question for you. I want to see how you would answer it. Did Adam and Eve have a belly button? Obviously, we don't know for sure because the Bible doesn't say. But it's likely that they probably didn't because the belly button is that remains of where we were connected to our mother. And since Adam was, God formed Adam out of the dust of the ground and then formed Eve out of his rib, they didn't have an attachment to a mother that would leave that scar. So it's likely they probably didn't have belly buttons. People do not realize today how serious the Lord is when it comes to children. I think one of the most terrifying things that the Lord Jesus Christ ever said is in Matthew 18 and verse 6, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. And I think, like I say, that's pretty pretty tough stuff. I certainly think that expresses Jesus' heart. I know it expresses your heart, and it expresses my heart. I'm sure you've spoken to women who are pro-abortion. Where are they coming from? What's going on with them? There's a lot of different issues. One, the pro-abortion lobby has done a great job of removing the humanity of the unborn. And so referring to the baby as a clump of cells or as a fetus or a blob or tissue. I had a miscarriage between my two older boys. And when the OB talked about it, she said, we're going to test the tissue. 
it wasn't, we're going to look for your, all the parts of the baby. It was just tissue. So referring to right. tissue, just really undermining the humanity of the unborn so that then you can talk about it as a choice. It's a choice rather than murder against another human being. And so I think that's probably the biggest issue is getting people to understand the humanity of the unborn. And that's really one of the reasons that we wrote the book. In the book, there's a big pullout timeline um, of the development of the baby. And we want kids to know you are a human right from that very beginning Mm. moment. You may look at these different stages and think, well, that doesn't look like a baby. That looks exactly like a baby is supposed to look at that particular moment of development. And so, you know, just giving kids that, putting it in front of kids that babies are babies in the womb or outside of the womb. We're all human right from the beginning. I know sometimes kids are taught to believe that human DNA and monkey DNA are basically the same and that we look like monkeys, monkeys look like us. You've got a picture of a baby's foot and then you have a picture of the book of a monkey's foot clutching a vine. And, of course, <laughs> babies and monkeys, or even adults, don't clutch vines with their toes. What are some of the other differences between monkeys and people? We're made in the image of God, and monkeys are not made in the image of God. That's probably the biggest difference. God has put his image in humans specifically and not in any right. of the other any animal. Right. But then you have things like the ability to make tools using other tools. So we have the ability, like my husband last night, fixed our light switch. He has the ability to do that, you know, to think about, I need to put this here, I need to do this, I need to cut this. Monkeys don't have those kind of thought processes like we do. They don't process things in the same way. They can use tools, but they don't use tools to make other tools like we do. There's a misnomer that we share a lot of the same genetic information And it's true that we do because we share a lot of the same features. So we have eyes, we have arms, you know, we have hearts and lungs, we eat foods. So we do share a lot of things in common, but we're definitely different from monkeys, from apes, from the other animals. Well, friends, we're visiting with Stacia McKeever. She and Dr. Georgia Purdom, both from Answers in Genesis, have written the book, Crafted by God, From Fertilization to Birth. This is a a volume that is attractively done with plenty of photos and and really great text. Perfect for families. The readers will explore the timeline of a baby's development from fertilization to birth in a very, very kid-friendly way. And I really mean that. It talks about some things in a very frank, godly, biblical way. It's a blessing for the whole family. Our toll-free number, 1-800-652-1144. Ask for the book, Crafted by God. Just give us a call, 800-652-1144. There is, of course, value in personhood, special value in being human. As you point out, we're made in the image of God. Our value does not depend on whether or not we can function. It depends on the dignity that a human being has simply by virtue of being made in the image of God. How do you teach children that? I mean... We eat chicken, we eat beef, but we don't eat people. I've had a little girl ask me that. Well, why don't we eat people? <laughs> How do you explain that in a kid-friendly way? We start with the beginning and we just say, you're, you are made in the image of God. That sets you apart from the animals. And I think that simple statement gets through to a lot of the kids. 
I go into the, our local schools for Good News Club, and that's one of the things that I try and impress on the kids when we're in there for the Good News Club is that you are made in the image of God. You are not just another animal. You are set apart, and because of that, we're responsible to our Creator to set rules for us, and so we need to look in His Word and we need to follow those things. We're not another animal. You're not an accident, and so it matters what we do. It matters that we're responsible to our Creator. I remember a few years ago, there was a Dutch ballerina. She had developed a bad case of arthritis in her toes, and her worth was wrapped up in her identity as a ballerina. If she could no longer function as a ballerina, she had no point in living, and so she requested to be euthanized, and I think that's exactly what happened. But because we are made in the image of God, we have an intrinsic value. Whether we're very healthy, whether we have a very high IQ or a low IQ or have some kind of a disability, we are still made in the image of God. And I think our culture, with all of the violence, the murder, the killing, abuse of the elderly, abortion, this abortion craze, I think when we lose the intrinsic value of a human being, we have gone into a very, very dark area of life. And I think that's one of the things, uh, you know, since Roe v. Wade, many, many years ago, I think we made a wrong turn, and we've been descending ever since. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, God is the author of life. We have no right to take it on our own. We can't give life, and we shouldn't be taking life. And so we need to respect that image in other people and look at them as image bearers. And remember that what we do to them is a reflection of how we feel about their creator. Mm. What we say to them is a reflection of how we feel about their creator. Children, of course, love animals, and some adults like myself also love animals. However, today we're seemingly treating humans like dogs and dogs like humans. Some dogs are treated better than some people are. So, Stacia, children sometimes ask, how do we know that we're not just like animals, that we're different? than them. And, and this is a child who maybe has a little kitten or maybe a little puppy, and they're, they're cute, and of course we want to respect all life, but how do we make the distinction, and how do we describe that to a little one? That kind of goes back to what you were reading before. We share characteristics of God because we're made in His image, and there are things that we do that animals don't do. So, for example, we use instruments to play music. Mm. My son and I went to the wow. orchestra the other day, and we enjoyed a, a beautiful symphony. You know, a kitten's not going to walk into there and <laughs> sit down and say, oh, this is a great this music, it's fantastic. These orchestra mm. members are amazing at their abilities. We have that ability, but animals don't have that ability. Right. We have the ability to appreciate a sunset, but you wouldn't see a giraffe sticking his head out of the trees and saying, look at that amazing sunset. <laughs> you know, they just don't have those types of abilities that we do. We can make foods that we enjoy. And while some animals can put together uh, maybe some insects together or, or something like that, you're not going to find them out sautéing onions and putting in some peppers and cutting up sausage and adding some rice and those kinds of things. So there are specific ways, you know, that we can see that we reflect God's creativity, that we reflect his enjoyment of beauty that set us apart from the other animals, from mm-hmm. the animals. On page 19 and following, you have a wonderful section titled Unique and Precious. 
Meet Curran, meet Mimi, meet Jeffrey, meet Kieran's cousin, Karen. Each of these children are a little bit different from many of the children we know. Karen was born with extra fluid on her brain. Jeffrey is from Nicaragua. After he was born, something happened that caused damage to his brain. One of the children has Williams syndrome. So, Stacia, how do you speak to children about these special needs kids? And sometimes I know kids are very troubled by seeing a child in in many ways like them, but in many ways different from them. Sometimes, especially in our society, those who are different are picked on, they're mocked, people tell jokes about them, and it kind of rubs off on some children. So how do you handle that? Kieran is actually our son. He's our oldest son. Mimi is my sister-in-law. Kieran was my cousin, and Jeffrey is a little boy that we know down in Nicaragua that we've met through another friend. So this is something that's definitely been on my heart since Kieran was born. He was diagnosed when he was nine months Mm. old with Williams syndrome. And it's something that really helped me understand that we are all made in the image of God. Mm. It doesn't matter, you know, what our abilities are, what our abilities aren't. Each person is valuable because they're made in the image of God and that God crafts us wonderfully for his glory and for the good of all of us. And so right from the beginning with Kieran, we taught him that he is fearfully and wonderfully made and that he's made in the image of God. And even when I would go into the schools to work with, you know, I volunteer in the schools right. um, mm-hmm. in his classes and stuff, and I would go in and talk to the kids about Williams Syndrome. I wanted to be sure that they understood that he had differences, but that he also had lots of the similarities, you know, with mm-hmm. them. He likes a lot of the same things. He does a lot of the same things, but there are also differences. And so I think explaining things to children so that they're not left wondering why is he different or what's going on. I think just being very upfront with kids, they appreciate that. They want to know truth and they want to know what's going on. And and in our case, with Kieran, he's been really accepted by all of his Mm. friends. He knows everyone at school. He knows everyone in the community and stuff. So God has been gracious to him. But being upfront with children and explaining to them, here's why he may be different, but he's also the same as you, you know, a lot of things, and just reminding them that every person is made in the image of God. Every person is knitted together by God. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Stacia, for this interview and your part in writing the book, Crafted by God. I'm enjoying the book, and I enjoyed the interview with you. Very good. I did, too. Thanks for having me. These last two programs have been helpful to so many parents and grandparents. If you want your children to know how the Bible and science can be trusted as they explore the stages of an unborn baby's development, then make sure you order today's featured resource, the book entitled Crafted by God. Order Crafted by God when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order online, swrc.com. Now, here's Marvin McIlvaney with a very important Bible in the News report. I remember the night our house caught on fire when I was five years old. I heard my mom say, be quiet, you'll wake Marvin up. It was my first introduction to hopelessness. I've seen hopelessness in many forms now that I'm older. I've heard people say, what's the use? They aren't going to do anything about it anyway. 
We read in Psalm 11.3, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Many Americans do believe the foundations are being destroyed. It sure feels that way. Why would God ask that question if he didn't have an answer? The First Amendment gives Americans five basic freedoms. Freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom to petition the government, freedom of assembly, and freedom of religion. Free speech is the cornerstone of our democracy, although what you say can have consequences, like losing friends or losing a job. It gives Americans the right to express their opinions without government censorship or control. And more importantly, you can't go to jail for expressing your opinion. It not only protects speech that people like, but it protects speech that people don't like. Because when it comes to free speech, either everyone is protected or no one is protected. It allows citizens to support political movements and candidates. It gives people the power to call out government corruption and abuse, which brings up the second on the list of freedoms, the freedom of the press. But what if you think there's a really important story, but nobody reports it? For example, the recent Durham report, which investigated the so-called Russian government's efforts to interfere in the 2016 presidential election. For three years into Donald Trump's presidency, all we heard every night, and all day for that matter, was that Trump had colluded with the Russians to win the election. Then, in 2019, we had special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation that did not find sufficient evidence that President Donald Trump's campaign coordinated with Russia to influence the 2016 election. But by then it was too late. Trump was bad. But the Durham report is different. Durham revealed that just weeks before the presidential election, former President Barack Obama, then Vice President Joe Biden, and the heads of the CIA, the Justice Department, and the FBI were all briefed on Hillary Clinton's plan to smear Trump with the Russian hoax story in August of 2016. Despite knowing it was a hoax, those same top officials followed and spread the false claims. In a 300-plus page report that became public on Monday, following a four-year investigation, Durham cited the FBI and the Justice Department for launching a bogus investigation into the 2016 campaign of Donald Trump without justification. His report also noted that the campaign of Hillary Clinton was heavily involved in creating the false narrative that Trump's campaign was colluding with Russia to interfere in the election. In fact, the Federal Election Commission fined Hillary Clinton's campaign $8,000 and the Democratic National Committee $105,000 for hiding their funding of the Steele dossier. This was the document they used to show links between Donald Trump and Russia. Republicans have suspected all along that Durham would find a hoax. Still, the fact that the FBI and the Department of Justice were so willing to participate in it has brought even more scrutiny. The Russian collusion hoax was concocted and brought to life only because the most powerful people in the United States intelligence and law enforcement community wanted an excuse to weaponize the federal government against Donald Trump. So said the Federalist senior editor John Daniel Davidson. Quote, they didn't want him to be president. Simple as that. It didn't matter to them what the voters wanted. They thought they knew better. 
so they felt any abuse of power was justified in preventing Trump from winning the White House. Close quotes. Davidson continued saying, It means, too, that it would be better if we had no FBI at all than the corrupt agency we have now, which sees fit to traffic in actual disinformation, spread conspiracy theories, and throttle the democratic process whenever a candidate comes along who threatens the status quo. That's the real lesson of the Durham report, and we ignore it at our peril, close quotes. And in another report released recently, House Committee on Oversight and Accountability Chairman James Comer, Republican from Kentucky, held a press conference detailing evidence uncovered during the committee's investigation into the Biden family's influence peddling schemes. Chairman Comer pointed to financial records tracing at least $10 million from foreign nationals and related companies to the Biden family, their associates, and their companies, and outlined how the Bidens took steps to hide payments they received from foreign nationals. Chairman Comer revealed that, in addition to China, the Biden family received money from Romania in an influence peddling scheme from 2015 to 2017. The Bidens received over $1 million for the deal, and that 16 of the 17 payments occurred while Joe Biden was vice president. In fact, the money stops flowing from the Romanian national soon after Joe Biden leaves office. This is a pattern of influence peddling. The report goes on to list two individuals with close ties to the highest levels of the Chinese Communist Party and operated a multi-billion dollar energy company with access to huge sums of money. The report discussed how the Bidens received millions of dollars from these individuals through the use of shell companies and money transfers. The president, when confronted with this information, said it wasn't true. Instead of being honest with the American people, President Biden has claimed that since the 2020 election, his family has not received any money from China. That was a lie in 2020, and he continues to lie to the American people now. The freedom of the press also means they can print whatever they want, or not print anything. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. For the mainstream media to not report on these findings, or at least to under-report on them, is to be an accomplice. If the government can control what you know, they can control you. If the government wants to teach your children that America is a bad place, full of racist, transphobic, immigrant-hating people, and then if you attend a school board meeting, and you protest, you are a domestic terrorist. If they slandered a presidential candidate, repeatedly accusing him of corruption and probably costing him the election, but they have evidence of a sitting president being involved in corruption and say nothing, well, that doesn't matter. It's for the best, according to them, whoever they are. No wonder the American people feel as though the foundations are crumbling. They are. Crafted by God is a book that will help you teach your children and grandchildren the truth about when life begins and how it progresses with the beautifully illustrated and interactive book. As you explore life inside the mother's womb with your children, you'll be helping them love God and love their neighbor. Order Crafted by God today when you call 1-800-652-1144. 
Tomorrow, we'll provide evidence that affirms the truth of Scripture, this time as it relates to the worldwide flood. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for over 90 years by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.